a movie that features a killer that sounds like he should be a member of the Wu-Tang Clan. Up from the 36 Chambers! Baby face killer! We watched Happy Death Day so you don't have to. We watched Happy Death Day so you don't have to. We watched Happy Death Day so you don't have to. So you know what time it is. Hey, 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 Moon Goons! Welcome to Horrible Horror, the podcast where we watch the worst of the worst in horror movies. Movies so bad they're scary. I'm your host, Marshall Hampton. Today is a little different because I'm running solo today. My co-host, Mr. Aaron Southworth, could not be here. Uh, just shit, life, weather, and things get happen and just... So I'm going to try it solo. We'll see what happens. It might suck, but hey, it's something. So we'll see how this goes. Um, so, yeah, uh, anyway... I'm lost being solo. It's a little. It's really weird being solo trying to do this. Uh, so, but before I get into the movie, I do want to mention a couple of things. Um, we uh, part kind of semi partnered with, not really partnered with, but we. The director of Happy No, I'm sorry, Camp Death Two in 3D, uh, which we did kind of a bonus mini episode review on a few weeks ago. Uh, he's been in contact with us. We've, you know, to help promote the, the his movie and, and get it out. And so we're like, sure, you know, we'll help. we're not gonna be dicks. We'll help pro- pro- uh, promote your movie. It's fine. So uh, just a quick reminder that it's actual official release date, so everybody can watch it. Is coming up. Uh, it will be released on Amazon on February fifth. So there you go. You can check it out on February fifth when it comes out. Uh, I'm not sure if it's gonna be. A prime rental or if it's uh i don't know the details i just know it'll be on prime amazon i mean on uh, february 5th for everybody to watch so keep put mark on your calendar to check that out um it was really nice kind of working with this guy and kind of you know him come to us to ask for help with his movie and uh it's pretty cool you know so it makes us feel good so at least we can do is promote and shout out and tell you guys to keep an eye out for it uh with that said let's move on to a happy death day this was picked in honor of uh, well my birthday uh which just as of recording was just a few days ago, uh, this was supposed to be recorded a while ago, but like I said, life and shit gets in the way and things happen. Uh, so, uh, it's still my birthday movie. So yay. Happy birthday to me, I guess. Nobody cares. Um, anyway, so this was released on October 13th of 2017. Uh, one thing that's different about this movie compared to ones we normally do is that it's a PG 13 rating instead of the R movies and stuff we've done in the past. So, I think we've done one other PG-13 movie in the past. I can't recall, but very rare for us. Uh, not normally a big fan of PG-13 horror movies. I think they're kind of lame, but, uh, you know, this one's PG-13. It is what it is. It was written by Scott Lob- uh, 
Lobdell and directed by Christopher Landon. Uh, you can find this movie on Amazon, YouTube, Google Play, and Vudu. Uh, the cast, I'm going, I'm going to mention three people um, that you may or may not have seen here and there. They're not big names, but uh, our main character, Tree, which is short for Teresa, but everybody calls her Tree in the movie, is played by Jessica Roth. She's got 34 credits. Uh, most of other than this, I think she's probably recognizable for her role in La La Land, which was the big Academy Award winner that everybody's you know, all up in a buzz about a while back. Um, then we have Carter played by Israel Bouchard. Uh, he's got 19 credits, but, uh, you can see him as James McAllister in fear. The walking dead. He did a few episodes or episodes that of that show. And then Ruby Modine plays Lori. She's got 21 credits and she's probably most known, known for her role as Sierra on 21 episodes of, uh, the show shameless, which I believe was, uh, is, or wasn't either an HBO or a showtime exclusive show. So, and that's it. That's all I'm going to mention for, for the cast. Uh, so let's go into the movie. So we open with our main character tree walking up a, like up, waking up in a stranger's college dorm room. Uh, upon waking up, she meets Carter, whose room it is, uh, her cell phone rings. She sees that it's her dad. She chooses to ignore the call. Tree gets up. She gets dressed, asks Carter for some Tylenol due to her hangover. Thinking she got super drunk and ended up having a one night stand with Carter. She makes him promise not to say a word about this to anyone. Uh, and throughout this scene, we really get a sense of just how much of a bitch Tree is. And through her attitude and facial expressions, um, she does a, Jessica Roth does a good job just portraying like this just super bitchy, snobby girl that you just, in the first few minutes of this movie, you just want to hate. Like, you just can't stand her. Um, so Carter's roommate bursts in excited. He's asking, hey, did you hit that fine vagine? Uh, Tree leaves and we follow her as she makes her way through the campus quad. Now, this walk through the quad will become really important or rather important as the movie progresses. Um, she blows off the first girl she comes to who's wearing, who's wanting tree to sign like an anti global warming petition. Um, and then she has a car alarm go off and sprinklers suddenly turn on chasing some college kids off a patch of grass that they were studying on. And then she passes a group of fraternity pledges being hazed. Uh, one of the pledges collapses from exhaustion. Cause I guess we're supposed to get the idea. They have been standing there for, I think somebody's only in science is like 26 hours straight. They've been standing in the same spot. So one passes out. Uh, she turns a corner and runs into Tim, who is a guy she went on one date with a while back. And now he just keeps texting her and keeps bothering her. Um, keeping up with her bitchy persona. She's rather rude to him, telling him that she, uh, that he had a good time, not her, that she was miserable and that you don't take a girl to subway on your first date. Uh, besides he doesn't have a foot long and she walks off. So she did a little crack joke there. Uh, tree ends up back at her sorority house, Kappa Pi Lambda. And she passes this blonde Asian girl, see, listen to music, sitting on the front steps. She goes inside and she gets stopped by queen bitch, uh, uh, queen bee bitch, Danielle, who's also, I guess also supposed to be the president of the sorority. Uh, Danielle gives her some shit for her work, for her, uh, for her walk of shame, excuse me. And having a one night stand. Then reminds Tree about their house meeting over lunch today. Tree heads up to her bedroom where we meet her roommate Lori. Who we can tell is like a medical student or a nursing student of some kind. Because she wears scrubs throughout the entire movie. Tree realizes that she's late for her class. Quickly gathers her stuff. Goes to leave. But Lori stops to give her a birthday cupcake. Tree blows out the candle. Says she wishes for a new roommate. Then tosses the cupcake into the trash on her way out. Saying too many carbs. Toodles or tootsies or toot, toot, yeah, toodles or something like that. Uh, the camera lingers on an upset Lori before we cut to Tree entering her class. Uh, 
she's late, but it, and then it just cuts again to this, a sidewalk, uh, sidewalk booth, kind of like, you know, booth stand or, or stall selling school merchandise for the upcoming big football game or big, I'm assuming it's football. Uh, we learned that the school is called Bayfield University and that their mascot is a baby, which I find incredibly weird. I mean, what fucking school would pick a baby for a mascot? That's just like the most, the weirdest thing Oz choice to me. Like it, there's some weird mascots out there, but a baby, uh, and it might be, it's even worse than like one, there's a, there's a local high school in the area whose uh, mascot is a midget, which is also, I thought really weird. And <laughs> growing up, like really a midget is your mascot. And now looking back at it, that might be kind of offensive to midgets. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they change it by now. Um, the camera pans over to cap to the Kappa lunch meeting. One of the sisters sits down with a lunch tray and instantly gets fat shamed by Danielle for the food and drinks that she has on her tray. Uh, the girl's name is Becky. We learned she, so Becky gets up to dump her tray, but she bumps into Carter and spills her chocolate milk all over Tree. Tree denies knowing him. Carter goes along this lie and gives her back her bracelet, which she left in his room this morning. And again, we get to see Tree's this bitchiness and her facial expressions and attitude, along with Danielle, who calls Carter a douchebag. Uh, and then we cut again to uh, Tree as she enters the university hospital where she gets another call on her cell phone and again ignores it. Uh, Tree bumps into Lori as she's getting off the elevator, and Lori says something like, I, I don't have to guess why you're here. Look, it's none of my business, but something like this is bound to have consequences. So Tree just says, you're right, it is none of your business, and closes the elevator door on Lori and, she, and leaves her behind. So when Tree gets off the elevator, she walks down some hallways, down one of those hallways, she sees a cop sitting outside one of the patient, like one of the patient's rooms, uh, she just makes a glance of it. We just see it. Uh, and then Tree goes to the office of Dr. Gregory Butler. In comes Dr. Butler, who turns out was her teacher from that class she just we saw her in. Um, and he says to her, they can't do this today, that there's too much going on in the hospital. At that, Tree throws herself at him and starts kissing him, making out with him. Uh, she kicks a rolling chair back against the chair, then coincidentally like, kind of lodges itself underneath the door handle, kind of blocking the door from being opened. And they make out for a bit, but then a knock on the door interrupts them. And it turns out it's Butler's wife. Tree and Butler then play it off like they were, she was just there for like a teacher, student uh, visit, consultation, or, you know, office hours, if you will. Um, and then Tree just hurries out. She, she quickly leaves and we cut to later that night and Tree is back in the room painting her toenails on her bed. Danielle comes in and wants to know when Tree's going to, uh, the big party tonight and trees like, you know what? I don't know later. I'll be there. And that's when the power goes out. Uh, Daniel has this bitch line about, uh, their tuition dollars at work. Uh, and then the power comes right back on and she says, tree, you know, don't be late or all the guys are going to be gone. And she leaves. We cut to tree walking through campus at night on her way to the party. And she's listening to a voice message on from her dad about how mad he is that she stood him up for their lunch date and that he sat around waiting for her for over an hour before he left. Uh, time passes. A group of college kids cheering and hollering uh, about the game. I guess the big game's over. They won, I guess. Uh, the, uh, the group passes Tree. And as the group passes, we see someone in a black hoodie wearing a baby mascot mask standing there watching her. Uh, Tree comes to a tunnel. And sitting in the middle of the tunnel is a music box playing the happy birthday music. When she bends over to look at it, she hears a sound a sound come from behind her. And when she turns around, she sees the person wearing the black hoodie and the baby mask. 
Uh, at first, Tree's not scared, but, you know, she's like, hey, I'm not scared of you. Get out of here. What do you want? And the guy doesn't move, just stares at her. And eventually says, hey, I'm going to call the cops. And that makes the masked person walk, you know, out of sight and off screen. Uh, Tree continues down the tunnel. When she gets to the other end, the music box begins to play again. Uh, so she spins around to look back at the music box. And that's when the killer we see drops down from above behind her. Um, and the killer, who now has a very large knife, takes a downward stab at Tree. But she's able to move out of the way at the last second. Takes off running. Uh, she runs through all these uh, flashing construction lights and barrels and tape. But of course she ends up tripping. She falls to the ground. She sits up frantically looking around for her attacker but doesn't see it. Uh, doesn't see him. But that's when she gets grabbed from behind by her hair. The killer pulls Tree's head back, forcing her to like look up at him from uh, from below. And the killer then just stabs down into Tree's face with a knife. We don't actually see the knife stab in the face, but that's the idea you get. She screams, and the screen, and as she screams, the screen goes black. And we, as we hear like the stabbing sounds and like the you know stabbing noises, and we cut to Tree waking back up in Carter's bed. She sits up, holding her chest, and seeming very confused. Carter repeats his whole, uh, "Hey, you're awake," you know, spiel from earlier. Uh, her phone rings again. It's her dad. She ignores it. She gets dressed, starts to realize that she's been through all this before. This time she notices a sticker on the back of the dorm room door that reads, Today is the first day of the rest of your life. In bursts the roommate talking about hitting that fine vagine again. Uh, Tree walks out and now we go through the whole walking through the quad sequence again. Uh, the global warming girl, the sprinkler, the car alarm, the pledges. Uh, the one passes out again. She runs into Tim. Uh, once again, then back to the sorority house with the blonde agent on the steps. She gets caught by Danielle again Goes in, when she goes inside. Uh, and then we get the same bit with her and her roommate when she enters her room. Uh, that's when Tree is uh, when Tree is talking to Danielle. Uh, she does say she must have deja vu. To which, <laughs> I like, let me take this back. So, before she gets back up to her room, she and that conversation she has with Danielle as soon as she enters the house. She says something like, you know, oh, this is deja vu. I've lived through this before. And Danielle replies saying, <laughs> which I found kind of funny. Saying, oh yeah, I have it all the time. It's supposed to mean that someone's thinking about you while masturbating. I have it at least five times a day. Uh, I just the way she delivered, I found it pretty humorous. I thought it was a pretty funny line. Uh, Lori gives Tree the birthday cupcake again up in a room, but this time Tree sets on the nightstand, rushes out for class. We cut to the sorority lunch meeting. Tree spacing out, lost in her thoughts. She looks over and sees the sidewalk booth selling the baby mascot masks. Uh, Tree snaps out of her little trance when Danielle asks her what's wrong. And Tree says, oh, I'm just a little tired. But Danielle, again, bitchy's like, no, what's wrong with that? And we, we camera pans, I'm referring to uh, Becky, again, who sits down with her tray of chocolate milk and whatever it was that Danielle disapproves of. Uh, she fat shames Becky again, uh, who gets, once again, gets up to dump it. This time, Tree like, no, Becky, look out. But it's too late. She still bumps in the car, spilling the milk over Tree. Uh, we jump back to jump to tree back in Dr. Butler's office again. This time when Butler enters, she looks, she locks his office door behind him. He tells her that he can't do this thing because he's busy, blah, blah, blah. Um, but she's like, no, I have to talk to you. To which Butler says, I know what you're going to say. Look, it's normal for a young girl to have feelings for an older man, but you can't fall in love with me. And she's like, no, I'm not falling in love with you, idiot. And he's actually relieved to hear that. He's like, oh, thank God. Uh, and then he starts making out with her. She's like, <laughs> so he's, oh, okay, at least you're not falling in love with me. Now let's just, you know, let's just fuck and get busy. 
Um, but uh, then his wife shows up again. But luckily, like this time, Tree locked the door, so it saved him from getting walked in on. Um, again, they played off as a teacher-student visit. Tree rushes out of the office again. We cut to Tree watching a video on her cell phone of her and her mother on one of their birthdays, laughing and having fun. Uh, in comes Danielle, and we get the repeated scene from before. Power goes off again. Danielle says the same tuition line. Power comes back on. Danielle leaves. So Tree's walking through campus at night again, listening to her dad's voicemail. Again, she passes a group of kids coming from the game. Uh, this time, she spots the one person in the hoodie and the mask that we that we saw watching her from before. Um, but this time, it turns out it's just... Um, you know, it was somebody from that, that group passion just kind of linger behind. And we hear someone from, from that group saying, hey, Mike, come on, you're falling behind. And he's like, all right, be right there. He turns and he jogs off. So that one was not the killer. Tree comes to the tunnel with the music box playing in it again. Only this time she says, fuck that, and, and goes up and around. Well, she doesn't actually say fuck that because it's PG-13. She's like, oh, hell no, no way. But, you know, you get the point. Which, I like that. Like, I like the fact she, had, you know, they, they had the self- awareness and self-preservation realize you know what happened before and she's like i ain't going through that tunnel again and she goes a different route so i thought that was that was nice to see uh tree arrives at the fraternity house at and the party where the party's supposed to be but when she gets there the house is all dark it's all quiet the door is also locked uh when she tries to go inside she knocks on the door then turns around to look back at the street to make sure she's nobody's following her see if there's anybody there uh, when she turns back to the door, the door is now open, and standing in front of her is a person wearing the baby mask. She screams and punches this guy in the face. The lights come on, and dozens of people are standing there, jaw-dropped and shocked at what just happened. A few people you hear say, um, surprise. Uh, so it's supposed to be a surprise party. Danielle walks up, grabs Tree's arm, raises it like she just wanted UFC fight, and says, don't mess with a Kappa bitch. And all the girls scream, yeah! And... The party kicks off, and there we so we get party time. So next few minutes, like I said, it's just the party scene, party, party, party. Tree and Danielle talk. They spot Tim looking at Tree. Uh, the guy Tree punched comes up and offers Tree a drink, apologizing for scaring her. Now Danielle has this part where she's like overly trying to look interested in this guy, gain this guy's attention because she's like really overdoing her laughter at this guy's lame jokes or whatever. She's like really hamming it up. Uh, but he's not, he doesn't pay attention to her. So when he leaves, Daniel gets pissed off at tree because apparently the guy's more interested in her than in tree than Danielle. So Danielle storms off in a huff, uh, tree and that guy end up upstairs in his bedroom after they talk a bit. I'm just going to skip them. Uh, they're, fl- they're flirting. Uh, we learned the guy's name is Nick. Uh, he says, welcome to the Pleasure Dome, and pushes a button on like a little remote control he has in his hand, which turns his room into a fucking rave or a nightclub or something. Like, all these crazy, like, I don't want to say disco lights, but nightclub lights come on. There's a disco mirror ball hanging from the ceiling, and like, a super loud electronic techno music crap is blaring from all the speakers. And Nick starts dancing like a fucking moron. Like, it's so weird, his movements, but, you know, hey, he's he's living it up. Uh, at this point, Tree gets a text from Danielle wanting to know where she is and if she's up there with Nick right now. Uh, Tree writes back, no, I would never do that to you. Obviously lying. Uh, while Tree's texting on her phone, we see Nick dancing behind her. And then the baby mask, baby face killer, 
uh, like I said, the, the baby face killer. <laughs> anyway, he, he comes out from the darkness of like the closet and Tree and Danielle, they're still going back and forth via text and, and the claws at this point are really coming out. I mean, Danielle is saying something like, you meant you wouldn't do that to me again. Remember freshman year? Remember freshman year? Question mark. To which Tree replies, at least my nickname wasn't uh, Blow followed by a fish emoji, which is kind of funny. Um, Danielle sends back one last text saying, I hope you both die. And with that, we see the killer attack and kill Nick behind Tree's back. Tree turns around to see the killer standing there, who she thinks is Nick again, who just put the mask back on. So she says, uh, uh, she's so over this and she goes to leave, leave the room, but the killer blocks her path, pulls out the bloody knife, the one he uses to kill Nick from behind his back. The killer attacks Tree. The two of them struggle. The killer ends up on top of Tree on the bed. In comes some random frat guy. The killer and Tree both kind of pause and look up at this guy, at, at this dude. And, and Tree screams out for him. He's like, help me, help me. But the frat guy just raises his beer like he's, you know, toasting or cheering the two of them. And he like they're about to get it on. He's like, yeah. And he leaves. Uh, and Tree shouts out like, you asshole. And then the killer grabs a very large glass bong that we see sitting on a nightstand, smashes it on the bed, heads on the headboard of the bed, breaking it, and then takes the broken end of the glass tube and kills Tree by stabbing her in the face with the broken bong. Um, again, pretty cool effect. Uh, we don't really, again, we, I should say, we don't see the end effect, but just a cool, kind of cool kills, cool sequence. Uh, again, she screams, and we, as the screen goes black, um, and we cut back to her waking up once again in Carter's dorm room. Tree sits there gasping for air. Uh, we go right back to the whole morning routine. Uh, this time, she's really freaked out by the repetitiveness of all this. Uh, she quickly rushes out of the room, nearly knocking over the incoming roommate. Uh, she's back to the quad again, and the same shit happens. As she crosses the quad, she's freaking out. She's crying. On, she's kind of on the edge of a breakdown here. And we cut to her entering her bedroom. Lori seems really concerned about Tree at this point. Uh, Tree tells her that she feels like she's losing her mind and she's lived through this day twice already. Uh, she Tree tries to convince Lori by telling Lori that she knows about the cupcake and the surprise party later tonight. And she rants on about how someone's going to try to kill her. Lori tells her, hey, you know what? Just skip class, get some rest, and you'll feel better tomorrow. And we jump to Tree boarding up her bedroom windows and then barricading her bedroom door with like a, her dresser. And she takes a moment to look at a picture of her and her mother before Danielle comes knocking, wanting to know what Tree's, do, you know why Tree's door is locked. Tree tells, "I just wanted some alone time." So Danielle asks her, "Hey, you, you know what time are you gonna be at the party tonight?" Uh, Tree looks at her cell phone. The time says 9:23. The power goes off again. Danielle says the same tuition line. Uh, tells Tree not to be late. The boys were missing. You know, be gone, or you'll miss out on the, all the cute guys. And she leaves again. Tree flops down on her bed. Grabs the cupcake, is about to eat it, but then gets uh, sidetracked looking for the TV remote. She finds a birthday card uh, on her desk or on a bench or something, like a mix-up with like a bunch of other stuff uh, that reads, Another year older and you still got game. And when she opens up the inside, it has a spinning baby face and it reads, Sadly, that game is bingo. Have a lucky day. Followed by a handwritten note that reads, Enjoy today because there's no tomorrow. The TV suddenly turns off, to which, you know, this gains Tree's attention. She goes over to it, turns it back on, and there's a news report about the suspect of a recent string of murders with a picture of a man 
but the TV goes off again before the news report can finish. Tree looks around the room, sees her bathroom door open, and her closet door is also open. She's like, you know, which one is it? You know, you kind of worry about both of those. Uh, she goes to her closet first, and on her way, she picks up the hammer that she used to uh, nail up her board up her window with. Uh, she doesn't see anything in the closet, so she kind of goes through it. Then she creeps her way to the bathroom. She's about to pull back the shower curtain when the TV comes back on. This pulls her back into the bedroom, and we see coming out from the bathroom behind her is the babyface killer. Babyface takes a swing at Tree with his knife, but somehow she senses it like fucking Spider-Man uh, and moves out of the way at the last second. Tree hits Babyface with the hammer, and then but Babyface basically takes like a chain, like he, he goes down, like he falls onto the bed or off the and then rolls off or something. But still, a solid hammer blow to the head, and baby, but he gets back up pretty quickly. Um, so. Uh, where was it? So she moves to the dress. She, she runs to her door, but it's blocked by the dresser. She's trying to un, like frantically move this dresser out of her way so she can get up. Uh, but we see the killer get back up again quickly char- and charges her before she can move it. And we cut to the other side of the door and we see the, the bloody knife puncture through the backside or the, what would be the, you know, the, the hallway side of the, of the bedroom door uh, as tree screams. And we cut back to her waking up screaming in Carter's dorm room once again. This time, she's freaking the fuck out. She's screaming at Carter. She's losing her mind. She rushes out of the room, does the crowd walk again in near hysteria. She stops and starts freaking out. She's spinning around, looking at all the shit she's seen before. During her spins, she bumps into Carter, who is bringing her her stuff that she left in his room, like her pants and her shirt. or I think she has a pants on, but like her shirt and her brace or something like that. Um, Tree grabs Carter, gives him a big tight hug, begging him to help her. We cut to the two of them sitting at a table in one of the school's cafeterias. Uh, at this point in the conversation, she has already filled him in on the time of that she's stuck in. So we kind of, you know, we kind of join this mid-conversation. He comes to the conclusion that something about this day has to be special or have some kind of meaning behind it. And he figures out that it's her birthday. Thanks to her cell phone ringing tone. It's like, hey, it's my birthday and I don't have to pick up the phone. Or, I don't know, it's some weird custom made ringtone. Uh, this information leads to believe that whoever is killing her must know it's her birthday. Uh, the two of them make a list of all the people who know it's her birthday and, and that and they would also have a motive for killing her. During this conversation, we also learn that Carter slept on his roommate's bed last night, meaning that they did not have sex like she previously thought. So there was no one-night stand and that Carter was actually a perfect gentleman. Uh, and that's the moment. And there's a moment here where we can see like a layer of Tree's hard, bitchy outer shell kind of break away. And, you know, she starts realizing that Carter is just actually a sincerely sweet and nice guy. And we, so you see that first, they do a good job with this throughout the whole movie. Like we see that the, the transition uh, and change that tree makes from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. Uh, Jessica Roth does a, a really good job at, at portraying this. Like for a girl I've never heard of or never seen, I, I gotta say her acting in this movie is actually really good. Uh, I, I it was very she was a pleasure to watch. She's a lot of fun and she did a great job. So and and the subtleness of her transitions, like from super bitching to as she slowly changes through the movie, are, are really really well done. So I gotta give her credit for that. Uh, they give up. Uh, they give up on the list they're making once it becomes clear that it seems to be a never-ending list. Like, it was just going to be way too big. So, Carr says it seems like she has infinite lives, which gives her an infinite number of opportunities to find her killer. 
Tree, not thrilled by the idea of having to keep getting killed over and over again, though. Uh, we cut to Tree dumping a bunch of crap out of, uh, out of her bedroom window. Just dumping shit. And then she makes another list of possible suspects. This list leads us to a montage of Tree following each suspect around campus. Uh, the first one we see is she's spying on Tim through his dorm room window. And I found this, this scene is actually, I think, pretty funny. It, there's some good humor here. Uh, she finds him getting ready to match. Like, he's sitting down with a laptop. He's got a box of Kleenex next to him. He's getting ready to go, you know, go go to town on himself. Uh, and, but he gets a knock on his door. So he gets up to go answer it. And then when he gets up to answer it, we, like, he, he, we see that he unblocked his body. When he leaves, the screen uh, reveals his lap, the screen of his laptop computer. And she, Tree sees, and we all see, that he's actually watching gay porn. So, and then we see this great facial work from Tree, because she makes this, like, oh, yeah, face. That makes sense. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, face for him, like, and smiles outside this window. So she's, like, relieved. She turns around to leave. But as soon as she turns around, she gets stabbed immediately by the baby face killer. She dies. Repeat the morning. Again, and now we can tell that Tree has given up on this, uh, given in. She's given in, I should say, not given up. She's given in to this strange phenomenon and just starting to actually just roll with it and kind of have a little fun with it. Uh, she's adding peak strings to her hair and, like, doing different things. Just, like, she's like, fuck it, why not? You know, who cares at this point? Cause, so, and then now we cut, she's found her uh, suspect number two. And we see she's in, like, full military gift. She's dressed in, like, camo clothing complete with camel face paint and wearing night vision goggles which made me think where the fuck does a college girl get military grade night vision goggles from like that's beyond me. like where the hell do those come from like that's just craziness but she's hiding in the bushes spying on butler's wife who is dressed up to leave for like a party or a gal or something and she she gets in the car she goes off convinced uh, that it's not his wife. Tree stands up to leave. When she turns around, she sees Babyface char- at a full sprint charging her. And it's just, again, kind of funny. Babyface tackles her into like this fountain where this time they struggle. He kills her by drowning her. Uh, and she wakes up in bed puking up like watery vomit. And uh, But it's just kind of funny because the humor is that when she turns up and you know she stands up and turns around, you see and the way he tackles her into the fountain. It's kind of humorous. Uh, we cut to Tree and Danielle walking down a sidewalk together. Some guy bumps into Danielle, causing her to drop her books. Tree bends down to help pick them up and finds the birthday card that she read earlier, that she found earlier. Uh, Tree calls Danielle a bitch, thinking that it was her, and, and just attacks Danielle. And the, the two of them get this, these into this cat fight. Uh, it gets kind of fun. It's, it's kind of humorous. Uh, it ends with the two of them rolling out into the street, uh, trees on top of Danielle, like grabbing her by the hair. But all of a sudden they look up just in time to get both of them get hit by a fucking bus, just plowed into a bus. Tree again, wakes up in the bed and throwing up in a fit of frustration. She's like, throwing, it's like a little toddler throwing a fit on the floor. She's slamming her fist into the bed and kicking the bed. Um, then she does her quad walk. Uh, this time, just this time when she does the crowd walk, she's all smiling and she's butt ass naked, giving finger guns to everybody she's passing with a big old smile on her face. Again, this kind of humor. She's realizing you know nothing matters. She's just having fun with it. We cut to her hiding behind a tree with a baseball bat, 
we see someone walking up, approaching her. She spins out from her hiding spot and crushes this person in the face with the bat. Unfortunately, it turns out to be Becky, who was just returning to the house with a box of donuts. Babyface pops up behind a tree, kills her by hitting her upside the head with her own bat. Um, and this, now what we see is done in slow motion. We see her kind of, she takes the bat upside the side of the head and she starts to go down. You know, she falls to the side to go down. And as she falls, the scene does this like seamless transition from, from the outdoor tree scene to like, it transitions to Carter's bedroom. And when her head hits the ground, instead she, her head hits the pillow of Carter's bed and she just wakes and she wakes instantly back up. Hold, and this time she's holding her head like she's got like this giant headache, obviously because she's got beaten the head with a bat. So that makes perfect sense. Uh, Carter goes into his usual morning routine. Uh, Tree tells him that his plan totally sucks, but of course Carter has no clue what she's talking about. Uh, as Tree gets dressed and starts to leave, she starts getting pain uh, in various parts of her body. Uh, the roommate walks in. Tree stands there looking at him for a moment. As her vision starts to go blurry. And she soon passes out. And the roommate catches her before she hits the floor. She wakes up in a hospital bed. Uh, through her blurry vision. She sees she sees Babyface enter her hospital room and approach her. But her vision clears up. And it turns out it's just Carter. Uh, he tells her that she passed out. And he's been trying to reach her parents. To let them know about her. Uh, at this point the power goes out again. And when it comes back on, Butler is uh, standing behind Carter, kind of like just glaring at Carter. So he's kind of like, uh-oh, he looks you know, kind of sadistic here. Uh, Butler tells Carter that visiting hours are over, so Carter leaves. Butler then shows Tree some of her x-rays and tells her that due to the severity of these injuries and the size of the lesions, she should be dead. Um Tree tries to get up to leave, but Butler forces her back down, telling her she needs to stay here for further observation to continue to rest. Um, and that she's like, hey, hey, you're safe here. You're fine. Just lay down and rest. So she's like, okay, fine. But hey, I'm thirsty. Can you go get me a, a soda or something? So Butler's like, yeah, that's cool. He leaves. And as soon as Butler leaves, she gets up, leaps out of the bed, rushes out of her room. She sneaks down and creeps through the hospital hallways. Uh, she does notice that the cop who is normally sitting outside when the patient's room is now gone. Uh, she goes to Butler's office looking for his car keys. And in one of the desk drawers, she finds one of the baby masks, but she also finds his key car keys, which she takes. She exits his office, creeps down some more hallways, which are way too dark for a fucking hospital. Again, we, I, we've mentioned this several times throughout the show. And almost every time we've been in a hospital saying they're, for some reason, they always insist on making the darkest hallways, which are bullshit because hospitals are always, we always say it, they're bright, they're lit, they're brightly lit. There's no, they're not dark in hospital hallways. It's safe, it's bright. So it's just some stupid horror trope or cliche that every hospital has to have dark hallways. So I don't know, maybe thanks to Halloween 2, maybe that's where it all started. I don't know, but it is what it is. So, uh, uh, where was it? Uh, she, Butler comes out of a door behind her, and he's like, kind of like it looked like a stairwell door. So, like, hey, hey, you know, you know, calm down, calm down. You know, we need to get back to bed. Uh, and then we see Babyface come out from around a corner behind Butler. Babyface kills Butler by stabbing him in the back with a knife. Tree takes off running. 
being chased by Babyface. She ends up in the parking garage looking for Butler's car. This ends up being kind of a cat and mouse hide and seek uh, scene where, uh, but eventually Tree is able to nearly make it to Butler's car. She gets inside. Babyface breaks the driver's door window trying to pull T out through it. She's able to throw the car in reverse, which smashes into another car, and then she's able to haul, haul ass out of the garage. Driving away, she thinks she's finally avoided being killed. She's screaming and celebrating. She's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, but then she ends up getting pulled over for speeding. Um, now, like I said, this movie has some good humor in it. Like, and this scene is one of them. I can't do it justice here, I, from especially being solo. But um, it's pretty funny. And if you if you watch this movie, it, I think you'll agree with me. But she's, um, she's frantically trying to kill the cop about her killer, trying to kill her again. And she's making zero sense. And to any normal cop, the cops completely justify and think, are you drunk? Are you high or something like that? Because she sounds like it. And hearing this actually makes her happy. Because she's like, yeah. Because she says something like, if I'm drunk, does that mean you're going to arrest me? And he's like, well, yeah, I have to arrest you. She's like, yes, I'm drunk. I'm like, I'm super drunk and high on every magical drug you can think of. She just gets giddy and she's just like confessing. It, it's pretty funny. She's all excited and, and, and like, yay, arrest me. That'll be great. That's awesome. So, and she actually thinks, so when it cuts to her being handcuffed, she's like, thank you. But she's like, thank you. Hey, I've never been arrested before. Uh, but she's like, but she does all this because she realized she'll be safe or she thinks she'll be safe if she's locked in a jail cell and the killer can't get to her. Which isn't the worst logic. It makes sense. So the cop loads her into the back of his car, then gets a call on his radio and he starts to go to answer it. But that's when from out of fucking nowhere, the cop gets just destroyed by a black car that comes flying in from off screen. The car comes like a spinning, screeching halt as Tree can see the driver is Babyface. Babyface gets out of the car. Tree's frantically struggling, trying to find a way to free herself, but she can't. Uh, Babyface stares at her through the car window. Uh, just, just there and stares at her. Tree shouts at him like, what do you want? Why are you doing this? I know all those, you know, those lines. Babyface just wa- turns, walks back to the car, gets in, rolls down the window and holds out a lit birthday candle. Tree looks down and realizes that the cop car, which got like grazed by the, uh, the, the killer's car is now leaking oil or not oil gas. It's leaking out gas. And she's like, oh shit. Babyface drops the candle, which ignites this, like, you know, uh, river or you know, this uh, gas flow, whatever, this, the gas on the, on the road. And it makes its, you know, trail of fire makes its way towards the cop car, to which Tree simply says, oh, fuck. And then the cop car just explodes. Uh, so that is, I think, the one, oh, fuck, in this movie. They got away with one. Um the car explodes in a pretty good-looking explosion. It's, it's a pretty solid effect. It looks really good. Uh, and once again, she wakes back up in Carr's bed. She goes through the morning routine, only this time uh, she like, she downs the entire bottle of Tylenol, which every time she always takes like one or two Tylenol pills for her hangover or her aches or whatever. But this time she just takes the entire bottle, downs all the pills, and Carr's like, whoa, 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 taking that much could kill you. Which she just replies, only if it were if only it were that easy. She, she opens the roommate door. She opens the door on the roommate who's about to come in, greets him with a smile, then says, Hi, 
I'm the so-called fine vagine, and if that's the way you refer to girls, you and your hand are going to have a very lasting relationship. She smiles, wishes him a, a nice day, and closes the door on him, on him and walks away. Um, oh, and before she leaves, she does she tells Carl that she seriously hates this sticker on on the back of his door, referring to the one that reads, "Today is the first day of the rest of your life." This time, Carter follows her out, and they talk as they go through the quad. Tree has to convince Carter of what's happening all over again. This time, she uses her knowledge of all the things that are going to happen in the quad to her advantage, and one by one points out each of them to Carter right before they happen uh, to prove to her that she knows, you know, that this has happened before. So we cut to the two of them at a diner now, eating and talking. Tree, knowing that Carter won't remember any of this, lets loose some pretty good burps and farts. Again, it's kind of funny. And she's like, what? You're not going to remember this anyway, so what do I care? Uh, again, she ignores a call from her dad. Uh, Tree tells him about her uncomfortable relationship with her dad and that her mother died three years ago and that she and her mother share the same birthday. So Tree opens up more to Carter, telling him stories about how her mother, about her and her mother, and, and you know, just kind of opening up. She also comes to have a moment of clarity. She says that when you live the same day over and over again, you truly start to see who you really are. And that if my mother could see who I've become, I don't think she'd be very proud. Uh, Tree tells Carter that she's not a good person, that maybe this is karma, and that she deserves all this happening to her. Tara tells her that it's never too late to change, and that each new day gives her a chance to do something better. So Tree responds saying that it's, she doesn't think that she has that many chances left, and she goes on to say that she keeps getting weaker every time she comes back and that she's like maybe like a cat with nine lives, but eventually she's going to run out of those lives. Uh, the breaking news report comes on TV again, uh, reporting that suspect that the suspected murderer, John Toombs, has, is being treated for gunshot wounds at the Bayfield University Hospital. The reporter goes on to talk about how he's a suspect in a series of six college girl murders and possibly even a dozen more. Uh, Tree has a flashback to the cop she sees sitting outside the hospital room, do- hospital room, and she comes to the conclusion that Toombs must be the one uh, that's after her, that's trying to kill her. She runs out of the diner, and we cut to her running down the halls of the hospital again. She yells at like the desk nurse to call the cops because Toombs is going to escape. She turns the corner just in time to see the cop enter Toombs' room. She yells at the cop, hey, stop, stop, don't go in there, but the cop doesn't hear her. So she runs down the hall towards Toombs' room. She stops and breaks the glass on the box that's holding the the emergency fire axe on the wall. So she shatters that, takes the axe to arm herself with it. She slowly enters the Toombs' uh, Toombs' hospital room. There's no sign of the cop or Toombs at this point. She takes a few more cautious steps into the room. And we see Babyface hiding behind the door as she passes him. Tree finds the dead body of the cop on the far side of the hospital bed. She quickly turns around. We see Babyface pointing the cop's gun at her. Babyface fires a shot, which hits the axe blade, knocking it out of Tree's hand. Tree takes off running out of the room. In the hallway, she runs into the desk nurse, who she screams at. She's like, run, run, he's got a gun. But uh, Toombs comes out of the room, pops off a few shots at Tree, but the first few hit the desk nurse, killing her. Tree runs off again. Babyface chases after Tree, who has now reached an elevator. Uh, Babyface catches up to her while she's waiting for the elevator doors to open. He pulls off the mask to reveal tombs under under the mask. 
He raises the gun, points at her, but right before he pulls the trigger, he gets tackled to the ground by Carter, who comes flying in from nowhere. The gun flies out of Toombs' hands. Tree picks it up, aims at Toombs, pulls the trigger, but all she gets is clicking. Toombs looks up at Tree, smiles at her, then snaps Carter's neck, killing him. Tree runs off again. Toombs gives chase. They end up in a uh, uh, in the bell tower of the, the the hospital. I guess the hospital has like a uh, like a large bell tower attached to it. Uh, Tree ambushes Toombs with a crowbar to the back of the head. Uh, she's standing over him, about to deliver the killing blow, but then realizes that if she kills Toombs and ends the time loop, then Carter would also be dead. So she drops the crowbar, heads to the top of the bell tower. Toom gets up, follows her up the stairs. Tree calls down to him. The camera pans up and we see her standing on the railing with a noose around her neck. She says to Tree, I'll see you soon, asshole. And with that, she steps off the railing, plummeting down, killing herself when the noose snaps her neck. Back to Carter's dorm room. Tree wakes up, cracks her neck, leaps out of bed, embraces Carter. This time, Tree is all smiles. She's all happy. She takes Carter's pillow with her when she leaves this time. On her way out, she bumps into the roommate again. This time, after he says his fine vagine line, she playfully spanks him on the butt, saying, naughty, naughty, naughty. Then Tree throws up a, throws a prank, saying, fine vagine, out! And she leaves. Uh, out in the quad, Tree is still all smiles. This time, she signs the protester's global warming petition. She warns the kids on the grass about the sprinklers. And then she uses the pillow to cushion the fall of the pledge that passes out and, and gets it under his head, you know, the cushion his head from hitting the hitting the ground. Uh, next, she confronts Tim. She tells him that she knows she knows he's not into girls and stop being something he's not. Love is love, right? So go out and get yourself a fine piece of man ass. She smiles. She walks away. Back at the sword house, she waves good morning to the blonde Asian on the steps. Inside, she beats Danielle to the punch about having another one-nighter, telling Danielle that it was no that this it wasn't nobody. His name is Carter. They did not have sex, but if she finally makes it through this day somehow, she's going to have his babies. Up in her bedroom, she also beats Lori to her line about finally rolling in. She then apologizes to Lori for being a bad roommate and a bad friend, and gives Lori a kiss on the cheek. We cut to Tree pulling. Butler out of his class to talk so she can talk to him. She tells Butler that their that their affair relationship is over. That this was all wrong. That she he has a life that a wife that loves her. Uh, so and then she walks off. Uh, now we go to the sorority lunch meeting. Becky sits down with her lunch tray, which Danielle again fat shames her for. But then we see Tree walk up and sit down with a tray that's loaded, just completely loaded with snack cakes and other kinds of junk food. Fries, Tree scarfs down a handful of french fries, tossing a snack cake at Danielle, saying, come on, a few carbs isn't going to kill you. Danielle responds, saying, no, it will just turn me into a chunker like Becky. Becky gets up to dunk, dump her tray, but Tree, dump her tray, but Tree stops her, takes the chocolate milk off of Becky's tray, forces Becky to sit back down, then goes up to Danielle, where she dumps the milk over Danielle's head, who runs away, kind of going, ah! You know, that, I don't know, girly scream, whatever. Carter shows up to give her her bracelet back. Tree kisses him. She tells him that she has to run, but asks him if he would like to take her out for her birthday. 
later tonight. Carter agrees and Tree leaves. We cut to Tree's dad sitting at a restaurant alone, uh, getting ready to leave. Uh, Tree shows up, sits down at his table. And what follows is a very heartfelt and emotional scene that, again, Jessica Roth, the actress, absolutely crushes this scene. It's really good. Like it, Yeah, it might, you could say it slows down, you know, a horror movie or whatever. But I think it's, you know, based on, you know, her growth. And it's actually kind of an important scene. And it's it's good. Like, it really is a pretty, it's a very solid scene. And Jessica and Roth crushes this, the emotional interface. And the everything she portrays is really solid. It's really good. She does a wonderful job. So the scene ends. And we jump to Tree, who is now, like, ramboing it up. She's, like, she and setting, like, a countdown timer on her watch. She's, like, you know, she's getting all, she's getting like weapons out. She's getting all like geared up. Uh, we go back to the hospital where we see the cop sitting outside Toombs' room. She sneaks up on him, places a knife to his throat. She orders him to slowly stand up. She takes the takes his gun and tells him that Toombs is going to escape and that he needs to go call for help. The cop runs off. Tree enters Toombs' room. She finds him laying on his bed, seemingly asleep. She aims a gun at his head and says to him, I know you're not asleep. Open your eyes. Toombs opens his eyes. Tree pulls the trigger, but nothing happens. He looks up at her and says, safety's on, little girl. Then uses his pillow to swat the gun out of her hands and springs out of bed. Tree scrambles for the gun, but Toombs is able to grab her by the neck and pin her up against the hallway wall. Excuse me. He pulls out the knife that Tree had, had been like had on her like in her belt or, or somewhere, but he pulls out her knife, holds it to her neck. She knees him in the balls and tries to get away, but he just ends up, uh, get, but she just ends up getting thrown into a glass box that uh, houses the uh, emergency fire hose this time, not the axe, but it's a fire hose. Toombs approaches her with knife in hand, telling her that, you know, like saying like, "Hey, I like you. You know, you put up a fight, you know, like this, uh, and because of that, I'm gonna make your death quick. You know, I'm gonna kill you real quick." And that's when the alarm on Tree's watch goes off and the power goes out. And when it comes back on, Tree's gone. And she pops up behind Tombs holding the gun. She says to him, safety's off. Thanks for the tip. And just unloads the clip into Tombs, which turns out to only be three, three shots, which is bullshit. Uh, uh, I was actually caught off guard with that because normally it's the reverse. You know, we're so used to the endless bottomless, you know, clips in all these movies. But no way would a cop's gun only have three rounds in it. Like, like who would only put three rounds in their clip and then put it in their, like, that's retarded. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Also, what I didn't make is, when when the lights go off, one thing that you got to say, when the lights go off, tree, tree is lying on broken glass from, the, from the, 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 the fire hose case. So she's surrounded by broken glass. So when the lights go off and she pops up behind him you don't hear anything she there's no way she'd be able to get up and, and get behind him without being hurt with all that broken glass around her, like snapping on either feet it, it's a minor thing but it, yeah she, that glass would be you've been cracking and breaking you, there should have been sound effects there uh anyway anyway tomb slides down the wall to the floor dead uh we cut back to the kappa house where we get the famous 16 candles birthday scene where uh, Tree and Carter sitting on the floor, Indian style, facing each other with the cupcake with a lit candle sitting in between them. Uh, Tree lights the candle on a birthday cake. 
We ask her what he asked her, what are you going to wish for? And tree somebody says tomorrow and blows out the candle on, on the cake and takes a bite fade to black tree wakes up again, back in Kurt Carter's dorm room, freaked out and furious that this is happening again, sobbing. She gathers her stuff, rushes out of the room. We cut straight to her entering her bedroom. Lori's there as always. Tree frantically starts to pack a suitcase. Laura asks her what's going on. Tree tells her, she, like, like, I'm running. I'm getting out of here. Something's not right. It's going crazy. I got to get out of here. Lori grabs a cupcake, lights the candle on it, offers it to Tree. But Tree says, thanks. I already ate it last night. And with that, she has an epiphany. She has an epiphany that she died in her sleep. Tree turns to Lori saying, you killed me. I never ate that cupcake before. She goes on to say that Lori had to find another way and had to find another way and tombs fell right into her lap. The perfect scapegoat since Lori had access to him at the hospital. So we get some flashback shots of Lori drugging tomb, drugging tombs with something and then point out a baby face mask and a knife from a bag. Assuming like, you know, to leave it there for him. Then we cut back to Tree's very first death, and right after he's, she's like the one after she gets killed uh, uh, by the tunnel, and right after she's killed, we see the babyface killer remove the mask to reveal that the killer was slash is Lori. Lori scoffs at this, saying, "You think I would actually try to poison you with a cupcake?" Uh, to that, Tree says, "Okay, prove it. Eat the cupcake." Lori hesitates. Tree just says, fine, I'll just take it down to the police and have them figure out what this is made of. Tree walks past Lori to leave to go out the door. Lori turns, grabs Tree by the hair, throws her against the bathroom door. Lori closes the bedroom door, locks it. Tree says, I know you've been, I, Tree says, I know I've been a bad roommate, but isn't this a bit much? Lori comes clean saying some, something along the lines of, you wouldn't stop sleeping with him. That you, he kept choosing you over me. Of course, this is referring to Dr. Butler. Uh, to which Tree responds, wait, you've been killing me over some stupid guy? Which is pretty funny the way she delivers this line and the look on her face. It's, it's kind of, it is pretty humorous. It's well done. Lori goes on to say that it's not the only reason, but because Tree is a dumb bitch too. Lori asks Tree how she figured it out though. And Tree tells her that it's because she's killed her before. Lori says, well, I guess I just have to do it again. With that, Tree kicks Lori in the knee. Like, kind of kicks her knee in, buckling Lori. She scrambles up, throws a lamp at Lori, who dodges it. They fight all around the room, crashing into stuff, breaking shit. Uh, then comes a knock on the door. It's Danielle wanting to know what all the noise is. Lori, who has mounted Tree and has managed to cover Tree's mouth, says, it's nothing. Tree just fell. Danielle says, fine, whatever, clumsy hose. I better see you at the meeting today and walks away. Tree punches Lori in the throat, which causes Lori to open her mouth, gagging for air. Seeing this opening, Tree grabs a cupcake, smashes it in, and shoves it into Lori's open mouth while saying, eat it, bitch. Lori panics, frantically spits out the cupcake and tries to like, wipe it all off of her tongue. Now, Tree leaps up, grabs onto the hanging light fixture, and delivers like a swinging double kick to Lori's chest, which sends Lori flying backwards, causing her to crash through the bedroom window, where she plummets to the sidewalk below, landing in a broken, bloody heap right in front of the blonde Asian girl, who screams, gets up, runs away, but she runs away. I think when she, 
if, I would think if a body fell, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. If a body came crashing down and fell like right at my feet, yeah, I'd probably scream. And if I ran away, I think I'd either run backwards or to the side, not directly over the dead body. But that's what this Asian girl does. She screams and runs over the body, which I just thought was weird. I don't think you would necessarily do that. I think you would run away from the dead body, not run over it. But anyway, Daniel knocks on the door again, demanding to know what those losers are doing in there. Exhausted, Tori tells, Tree says, Lori ate my cupcake and just kind of collapses in exhaustion and relief. It, again, it looks pretty funny. Uh, it, it's, it's better than I can describe it. We black out, cut to Tree and Carter sitting at a diner watching a new report on Lori's death, a news report on Lori's death. Uh, which Danielle is being interviewed by about Lori, and I'm going to go into oh, I'm not going to go into a word by word retelling of what she says, but it's pretty funny. And if you watch the movie, uh, it's funny because there's like you see Becky and the Asian girl in the background, like, and Becky's trying to console and and, and, and kind of comfort the, the Asian girl who's crying and traumatized when the body nearly falling on her, and Danielle just like turns around like, hey. Be quiet. I'm trying to be interviewed here. And it just, uh, it, it's pretty funny. What, uh, and she says something like the plan was never going to succeed. Cause like she took who, a poison cupcake. Really? We're Kappas. We don't eat cupcakes. Uh, so it, it's funny. Uh, it's, I can't really do it justice. Um, Carlin basically invites tree to stay with him since her room is now a crime scene. Uh, the camera zooms out as Carter says, this whole thing reminds him of the movie groundhog's day. We fade to black as they talk about the movie and the fact that Tree doesn't know who Bill Murray is. Uh, now we cut to Tree waking up in Carter's bed. Uh, Carter goes into his usual, hey, you're awake routine. Tree seems absolutely terrified, thinking she's back in the time loop again. Carter then says, hey, hey, I'm kidding. It's Tuesday the 19th. You made it. Tree leaps out of bed, calling him a big jerk and playfully like, beats him with a pillow. They play, they, you know, play grab ass. They play a bit and they end up back on the bed, kissing, making out. In comes the roommate, wind back into the room, but they kick him out again. He's like, come on, I don't want to sleep in, you know, the lounge again or my car or whatever. Uh, the camera pans over to the sticker on the door as the roommate leaves. The sticker that reads, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Uh, roll the credits, blackout roll credits. That's, uh, that's happy death day. Uh, so it, it, yeah, it's a fun little movie. Um, this is going to be really weird doing this part solo because we always have uh, odds and ends and favorite kills and all this stuff with Aaron. But, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. So uh, with that, let's move on to favorite kills. There can be only one favorite kill. Uh, now, obviously, all the kills were the same. It just tore, uh, tree, uh, Teresa getting killed over and over again. But at least they... they changed up it wasn't the same just her getting stabbed each and every time um so for me my favorite kill this week was uh well Lori was actually kind of fun the way you know the fight scene the fact that she does this double kick but i think i'm probably gonna go with um the the car explosion where she gets blown up in the car because just the the whole scene for she's she's so happy to get arrested and then she realizes like the gases she's like oh shit and her like oh Fuck! Right before, right before the car explodes, uh, and it's a good explosion. So I just think that that's that was my favorite, my favorite death scene in this movie. Um, there, there's some other decent ones, but I, that was my favorite one. 
Uh, I know, real short, unfortunately, we don't have Aaron here to give me his his favorite kill. Uh, so we're just going to move right on to odds and ends. Not only did they watch these films, they researched them too. Ugh, what is wrong with these guys? Uh, ratings. IMDb gives it a, six and a half, 6.5 out of 10. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 71% on thermometer and a 65% audience score. Now, this is definitely maybe the highest one of the highest scores you've ever had on this show. Uh, we may have had one or two that uh, higher. I'm not sure, but it's definitely one of our top, as far as Rotten Tomatoes goes, uh, rating. And Amazon gives it a 4.2 out of 5. Uh, plot keywords, there are 327, which may be a new record for plot keywords for the movies we've done. Um, I found some were very kind of funny. Um, we might have kind of a... Uh, a new fetish group popping up. Now we, we were famous for always having find the, the panty lovers on all these movies saying, Hey, you know, panties, panties, black panties, white panties, you know, all this panty stuff. We may have a new fetish showing up now. Uh, so I wrote something down. We have baby mask, watching gay porn cleavage. Now, uh, here's some of the new, what might be new fashion. These are each individual plot words, mini skirt, short skirt, mini skirt with heels, girl wearing a mini skirt, Woman wears a short skirt, and then visible midriff and bare midriff. Uh, overall, so we might have, yeah, like I said, we may have a new fetish here with, with mini skirts and midriffs. Uh, flatulence, farting, fart joke, pumps for the feet fetish that people, I guess, blowing out a candle on a birthday cake, hot for teacher, pretty legs. That one I found kind of odd. I've never seen that one before as a, as a, a plucky word for a movie. Pretty, pretty legs, sluttiness, that's a good one. Black bra, blonde Asian. So that's a very, very specific uh, demographic there for people who want blonde, I guess, blonde Asians. Red umbrella, easy girl, loose woman, and running mascara were some awesome of the outer, weirder, plucky words this movie has listed for it. Uh, trivia. There's actually a decent amount of trivia for this movie. Uh, so sit back and, and, and enjoy the uh, everything I had to find on this. Uh, we'll start off with... Uh, the Bayfield University baby killer costume was designed by Tony Gardner, who also designed the ghost face mask, the horror icon from the, from the Scream franchise. Uh, so, with, And that is just a reworked version of the Father's Death Halloween costume, Father's Death Halloween costume, which is, I guess, some old costume from way back in the day. Uh, according to director Christopher Landon, Tree's punchline, who takes their date first date to Subway? It's not like you have a foot long. It was actually improvised by Jessica Roth herself. Uh, Christopher Landon tested wearing. Uh, he tested wearing uh, the option of a baby mask for the killer in the office and scared scared a worker, confirming his choice. So that's how he picked the baby mask because he scared a coworker in an office. Um, the scene where Tree walks through the campus quad naked had to be done quickly. I, that's kind of a given. Given that this was being filmed on an active college campus, this presented the risk of students witnessing the scene being filmed and or taking photos. The crew took extreme precautions to clear away any potential onlookers. In the end, they managed to do the scene in two to three takes pretty quickly. Uh, the theatrical trailer utilizes the song In the Club by 50 Cent as Tree's birthday ringtone. However, the final film does not feature this as the crew and uh, 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 studio could not agree to the rights. Uh, to the song, as a result, the original ringtones it you know is this weird thing they made up. Uh, the original script written by Scott Lobdell included material intending to make the film R-rated, which I think would have been 
but I would have preferred that. Uh, but some scenes involved grislier death descriptions and were entirely altered by the film's director. So you have the director to thank for, I guess, for making it PG-13 instead of R. Um, when asked why a baby mask, Christopher Landon says he needed a combination of something that would pass for a mascot on a college campus. That was both scary and funny at the same time. Plus, he was expecting a son at the time, so he had baby on the brain. Uh, to me, Kylie, I don't know. I really didn't like the. I'll say I did not like the baby mask. Um, I didn't really find it scary. Like I guess it's supposed to be you know creepy kids or baby like porcelain doll type scary. I don't know. I didn't find it really funny either. I just like I didn't. I don't know if they were going trying to be a little more humorous about it. Maybe they should have gone a different route or made it more obviously that we're going born humorous. But I, I did not like the baby face mask. That was probably my least favorite thing about this movie. Uh, the original mascot, speaking of the mascot, the original idea was for it to be a pig mask. Uh, uh, again, designed by Tony Gardner. But I think somewhere in one of these things that they, they ditched that because uh, they thought the pig mask would be too similar to uh, the pig mask that they use in the Saw movies, which, eh, I don't really, I wouldn't care, I care about that. Because, I mean, I think a pig would have been better than a baby i mean we look at like we also have we look back at movies we've done a uh, pork shop uh you did a pig mask a realistic pig and that was fine i didn't think as soon as, when i was looking at the pig mask i wasn't like oh saw i didn't think that at all and honestly you could go on to make me more cartoonish pig or something like that maybe and still would i think better than a, a baby i think so i agree i think the pig would have been better uh the scenes where tree leaves car's dorm room walks through the campus quad with the same events happening over and over, took two days to shoot. Uh, at one point, the sprinklers malfunctioned and they couldn't be turned off, which I think was kind of funny, costing the cast and crew an hour of filming until they were able to fix it. Uh, but that makes sense. They knocked all that out in one day, you know, a couple days to shoot it over and over again. Uh, originally, the movie was titled Half to Death instead of uh, Happy Death Day. Uh, yeah, it, I actually like Happy Death Day better. I didn't think, I, at first, I didn't really big on the title, but hearing Half to Death, doesn't it doesn't flow as well as Happy Death Day? So I think they went. I actually agree. I think they did a better choice with it, with what they ended up with. Uh, Tree shirt says "Damp Stop Funk," which on it, which "Damp Stop Funk" is an actual funk uh, and funk and jam band from New Orleans, New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, Joseph Toombs was the name of a high school gym teacher of Ryer Scott Lobdo. Uh, an original ending featured Tree. Succumbing to her uh, accumulated injuries after she kills Lori, the real killer, and she's being treated for said injuries by her professor's wife, who I guess is also a doctor now or, or something, before being murdered again by the by Butler's wife as revenge for sleeping with her husband, thus entering another time loop. The test audiences reacted furiously to this ending, feeling betrayed that the, the protagonist, after becoming a better person, could not break free. This ending was conceived as a way of leading the viewer to believe it was never going to end. It was scrapped and reshot to the current theatrical ending as a re- to the current ending as a result of that, uh, which is kind of interesting. Like I don't know um, if it was done right. Like leaving the movie and like uh, just weird. Like oh my god, she's never like just kind of like this u- eternity of hell. Like this hellscape. She's never gonna be able to get out of this time loop as for all eternity. She's got to suffer with this. Is That'd be kind of terrifying, you know. Like, like, like you'd never be able to go on. You're doomed to repeat this over and over. It'd be it's kind of if it was done right. It could have been an interesting ending, but I also get the fact that uh, 
she because she does change. You want to, you kind of do want to see her rewarded, but kind of with winning, I guess the you know and getting out of this time loop and and, and winning the situation. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, either way, I could, I guess either one would have been fine with me. Uh, when asked the cause of the time loop, Christopher Land says there is no definite reason for it. But if the viewers look closely at the film, there are Easter eggs pointing to the cause, and one is a really big. One is really big and an explanation for why a Tree got stuck in the time loop in the first place is never given, though. Uh, director Landon said that in interviews that he tends to save that explanation for a sequel, which by now, some of you know, there actually is a sequel to this uh, coming out fairly soon. That The trailer, first trailer for it is out on the internet. It's called Happy Death Day 2, number 2, U. Um, so, it's getting, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I, if there should be a sequel to this or not and how they're going to play that off. But uh, we'll see. Uh, Carter points out similarities between Tree's situation in the film Groundhog's Day, which is 1993, uh, and there are in fact few scenes that directly parallel Groundhog Day's events. Uh, and this one, like just like Phil, Tree proves that she has lived through this day by correctly pointing out several events before they take place around her. One of them is a frat brother passing out, whom she helps with a pillow. This parallels a scene in Groundhog's Day where a kid falls out of a tree, to which Phil memorizes and catches in one of his errands. Uh, Phil points out that a waiter in the diner is gay and Tree, which kind of corresponds to Tree finding out that Tim is gay. Uh, and her repeated unwanted encounters with Tim are similar to Phil running into Ned Ryerson. Uh, two of Tree's death involved getting hit by a bus and hanging herself in a bell tower. And two of Phil's suicides involved walking in front of a bus and throwing himself from a bell tower. So there's quite a few similarities between this and Groundhog's Day. Uh, and Lori's last name is also Spangler, which, which so happens, you know, which was the name of Ghost uh, of Groundhog Day director Harold Ramis's character in Ghostbusters, uh, which he was you know, obviously with Bill Murray. So that's kind of a neat little, I think, thing, Easter egg that kind of ties everything together. It's kind of funny. Um, so, so that's it for uh, for for the trivia. Now, I would normally this were. I wish Aaron was here again. I really because we actually would get to play the budget game. We haven't done that in a long time, but we got the budget for this. So here's the budget game, but not really because there's no one to guess the budget. So I'm just going to say it. Uh, but if you want to play along at home, here I'll give you uh, everybody at home. Take a guess at what the budget is for the 2017 Happy Death Day. All right, you have your numbers locked, numbers picked. Um, no cheating, of course. All right, the budget. For Happy Death Day was four million eight hundred thousand uh, dollars. It had an opening weekend gross of twenty six million thirty nine thousand thirty five dollars, and its total gross in the United States, when it's all said and done, it was fifty five million six hundred eighty three thousand eight hundred forty five dollars. So this actually turned to be a pretty big hit. Like now, so I can understand why I guess they were trying to make a sequel now, but uh. I didn't think that at the time. Like when I remember seeing the theater, like seeing the commercials for this in the theater, I was like, "Oh, that's not gonna be that. How good?" That I didn't think it would be that big of a hit. But man, this made a lot of money compared to what I thought it would. So I was very surprised by that. Um, with that done, we do get to move on to five star reviews. Is this your guilty pleasure? Five star reviews. Now there are four hundred and sixty-six total reviews for this movie on Amazon. Fifty-two percent are five stars which equals 25 pages of five-star reviews with 7% being one star. Now, I did not <laughs> go through all 25 pages looking for reviews to this movie because 
they weren't. It was this movie is kind of different because it's not. It wasn't like the ones we done best that were they're bad movies, but you know people are trying to say these movies are really good, but they're not. Uh, so I can, there's really not gonna be anything funny about the five stars. So I kind of decided, you know what, fuck it. I'm just gonna focus on the one star reviews. So one star reviews from and just set up Amazon customer. Not suitable for children. Gross movie. Gay masturbating to two gay guys. Yuck. One star. All right. So this fucker has needs to you know fucking get out. You know, get into the modern area and get his head out of his like I guess backwater southern old way of thinking because that just that's sad. I mean, not suitable for children. One, one. It, it suitable children in the first place. Not really. It's kind of. I mean, it's a horror movie with killing stuff, but. Really gross. You're saying the whole movie's gross because a guy's masturbating to, to gay porn, and you're like, yuck. Well, that's your issue, dude. Fuck you. Get you know, get your head straight. Fuck off. Um, from Adman, Dad needs to change his password. My daughter watches shit films on my account. One star. That I thought was kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know if I caused a shit film, but uh, I thought that review was hilarious. Uh, from Jalen Carr 10001. OMG, this movie is just an atrocity. I grew up on horror. Dot dot dot. And always like good horror, but this is LMAO. Dot 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 dot. This dot dot dot. I just dot 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 dot. Let's just say it makes Cloverfield take home an Oscar. Honestly, they should just throw that movie on the Disney Channel. So I guess they're saying this movie should be on the Disney Channel, and it's like, I don't know, but it's that's a weird review. Uh, last two, one from Carlos. I'm so surprised to read so many silly reviews about this dumb movie. It's a movie definitely uh, r- r- rooted, routed. I don't know what he's talking. Uh, routed to teenagers. So I imagine all the reviewers that give to the reviewers that give to the movie more than three stars must be teens that don't have a clue of what a good movie and specifically a horror movie is. The main character is such a terrible actress. My God. She should get the best bad actors of all times award. Terrible plot, screenplay, not that bad in terms of concept, but so wrongly made that this that is really a shame that producers and directors like this exist in Hollywood. Silly scenes that sometimes remind me of one of the scary movies, which were comedies, good ones by the way, the first three, instead of horror movie. I could write a thousand bad things about this piece of garbage, but I'm going to stop because it really doesn't deserve so much critic. If you enjoyed this quote-unquote film, you are pathetic, dot, 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 three exclamation points. Happy death day to all people that like this trash, dot, dot, dot. Well, what did I say your name was? Uh, Carlos, I say a big fuck you to that. Get get your head out of your ass. Stop getting right on your high horse. I, I you know, stop being a fucking horror movie snob. I, I don't know. I just, I don't agree with any of that, What anything he said there. And uh, last one from Glenn. This movie blows more than just birthday candles. That's the name of his review. Happy Death Day is a terrible movie. Each time the main girl gets killed on her birthday, she awakes to find herself alive. She repeats the day over and over, a complete ripoff of the movie Groundhog's Day. Yeah, they even they acknowledge that several times in the movie. That they're, they're, they're not trying to hide that fact, you idiot. I found the movie to be very boring to watch and an ending you could see coming a mile away. I thought this was supposed to be a slasher movie. Where was the nudity, the blood, gore, the killing? This movie also had the worst mask used ever. A Bill Murray mask would have been more scary. This is one birthday you'll want to miss. Now, I will agree with him about the mask. I did not like the mask, but um, I'll disagree with a lot of the other stuff he said. Uh, so with that said, I'll just wrap it up. I'm going to my final thoughts. I will admit 
wholeheartedly running, uh, coming into this movie before I watched it, I thought it was going to be pretty stupid. I thought it was going to be a bad movie. Like, how are you going to make this, you know, entertaining about the same person getting killed the same way over and over? But they did. I was wrong. It turned, you know, obviously she didn't die the same way over and over again. They actually, they kept it, uh, they spiced it up a bit. And I was presently surprised. I was very surprised by how well the movie was. I enjoyed it. I, I, I had fun watching it. It was, once, yeah, I realized it's not a slasher movie. It's not really a slasher. It is what it is. It's, it's horror fun, I'll say. It's a horror fun movie. Uh, I wish it wouldn't rate R. Sure, why not? But it, it, you know, by the same time, it, it was enjoyable. I, I, I was happy with it. I was, I never found myself bored. I, and, and so I was looking forward to find out who, what the reason was behind everything, who the killer was. So I think it did a good job. I disagree with the people saying that Jessica Roth is a bad actress. I thought she was a great actress in this. I thought she did a really good job. I said it before. Uh, I'm actually so yeah. I'm saying so bad it's good. Uh, honestly though, it's not really. Well, it could be considered bad. I don't know. So bad is good for me. I say it's worth a watch. Um, if you ever get your hands on it or, you, you know, find you have nothing else to do. You just want, you know, something to pass time with. It's a fun little movie. Um, are there some loopholes? Yes. There's some big, I mean, if you really want to stop and break down the time loops and some things that are there, there are some pretty big loopholes that don't make sense. Like the, uh, when she's, when we see her making the list and crossing people's names off, uh, every time she, goes to investigate somebody, she dies and she'd wake up and remake the list, but she keep the list wouldn't already be made that we keep seeing, but we see like Tim, uh, uh, Stephanie, I think, or something like that, which is Butler's wife and uh, Danielle and some other people on the list. And every time we see this, she's crossed the name off it. The name's still crossed off, which doesn't make any sense because the name either would not be on the list in the first place because she's already eliminated them by being killed and realizing it's not them that killed her or they just, you know, the name wouldn't be crossed out. It just wouldn't be there. Or it's saying that that list somehow magically survived the time loop and is the same list, list, list from the previous day, which doesn't make any sense. That wouldn't be possible. So yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some continuity errors or not continuity, but some logic holes. But at the same time, I didn't care. You know, it's, I didn't care enough. It didn't bother me that, you know, I was like, I just went along and had fun with it. I just was along for the ride and enjoyed it. So Take it for what you will. I enjoyed it. Um, that's gonna, I so, so bad it's good. And that's going to do it for me. I'm going to wrap this up because this is really awkward doing this solo. Uh, I hope it was somewhat entertaining and not a complete waste. Uh, I understand this turns out, you know, uh, the suck, if you will, if this, if this turns out to suck and, uh, you know, like it. And that's fine. I hope this never happens again. But I wanted to keep, you know, uh, I wanted to keep the, the, the timeline. I wanted to get something put out there. And keep up because uh, our next episode now this is 149, so that means our very next episode is a big one. It's our 150th episode. I'm I, hoping we have some big work done. I'm trying to get our All Star panel guests back. I don't know if it's going to work out. I really hope it does. Um, but we're going to be doing a movie we have talked a lot about on the over the course of this podcast. We've mentioned it several several times. So those of you who have listened to all of our episodes or um, at least lots of them. You might have you might have a, f- a little idea of what is to come uh, if you if you piece it all together. I'm not going to say what it is. Not yet. I'm going. You'll you have to check out our Facebook page for the announcement on that. But uh, it's a big one. We've been highly anticipating, and we'll see if it li- lives up to the hype. Um, but uh, 
that so that check that out make sure to come back for our 150th so in the meantime guys uh remember to watch more horror movies and remember to always keep it tight